Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. I am hanging out with Dorothy and Toto this week. That means you must be in Kansas. I am. I am in Kansas. I'm in Wichita. Dr. Rayner was speaking for an event up here in the Wichita area and um, getting to enjoy lovely downtown Wichita where everything looks like it was built to be a tornado shelter. Well, you know, that's interesting. I'll have to tell uh, Sam Morris, who is the uh, electronic marketing specialist, Yeah, uh, is kind of the social media uh, guru at Southeastern Seminary on the the team there with me. Uh, He's from Wichita. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, he, um, everything you hear is built like a tornado shelter because it is a right. tornado shelter. It, it's kind of, uh, you know, interesting architecture because everything is really, you can tell just by looking at buildings that they're built really, really sturdy. Nice. Well, I've never been to Wichita, but I'll have to get there someday. They got a really cool little revitalized district in the downtown area. Uh, just some, some neat old town looking areas and uh, reminded me a lot of the area I stayed in when I was in Lincoln, Nebraska earlier this year. So nice, just cool nice. to go to different towns and see these revitalized areas in the downtown areas. So Excellent. Well, I am not uh, in Wichita, but it's been an adventurous week nonetheless. Uh, Keith is in the Dominican Republic teaching this week. so That's right. Uh, I saw uh, a bunch of stuff yeah. in Spanish with his name on it this week. Yes. Have no idea what it says, but I'm the, sure pictures it was all good. Looked, the pictures looked great. Is he I staying on the beach? It, I have no idea. Oh, I, he's in it. He stays uh, there. He's he works all day uh, at the hotel and he teaches at night. So, uh, and then I think he's teaching all day at Friday. So, uh, anyway, so the kids and I have been hanging out. My mother-in-law was here for a little while. Had a great visit. And Lizette Beard is on uh, the on the way to visit this weekend. I'm so sorry. very excited. Ah, I'm very excited. We Halloween have with Lizette. Time. That would be so much fun. Which I should yes, do. It, you perfect. should go as Lizette, and she should go as you for Halloween. Actually, there are already some plans. Marianne and Ginger. for Monday evening. It's a larger group, and we'll just you'll just have the to Golden check out Girls. social media. You'll just have to check out social media to see uh, the crew. But she is going to be here on Halloween night, and. Um, that's kind of a big thing here in Wake Forest. And that brings us to our top story, which includes Lifeway Research, Lizette, and Halloween. Yes. Uh, how how did we do that? That was actually accidental. Um, but we just... We did. As we were talking, it occurred to me. What a great segue. <laughs> yes. Well done, Amy. All right. So top story this week is a new research uh, study from Lifeway Research. Among Protestant pastors, and what do you encourage your church members to do at Halloween? 67% of them encourage them to invite them to church events that they hold, uh, fall festival, trunk or treat, those kind of things. We're having a trunk or treat at my church this year, um, this nice. Sunday. If you're in the Mount Juliet area and you listen to this 3 to 5, First Baptist Mount Juliet, uh, that's my plug. And if you're in the Wake Forest area, I'm not sure if Amy's church is doing anything at all. Um, no. You're not. Okay. Wake Forest is different though. Wake it is. For, I, I, okay, we'll get there in a second. Let's talk yeah, about the research yeah. and then you can tell us what you're doing. 67% said invite friends to the church events. 52% said build relations with neighborhood trick-or-treaters. 26% said hand out gospel tracts to trick-or-treaters. 8% said avoid Halloween completely and 12 said none of these. So, uh, Amy, of this group here, which would you uh, be... You know, which area would you be in? Because I'm in the first two. We, we build relationships. I sit out on the, the porch 
and hand out candy to people that come by. I also, we have right. our thing at the church that we invite a bunch of our friends to and go around the neighborhood and tell them about. Yeah. So this is interesting. I, I've, it all has, it all has depended on where we have lived, but in Wake Forest at this time for us, it would be building relationships with neighbors who trick or treat. Um, but when we were in Waverly, Virginia, the church, our church had started uh, doing a fall festival before we even got there. And it had become the thing for everyone in town to, to do. So it actually, more people would come to that than even would go out trick-or-treating and they'd come all evening. And we actually uh, learned that it was, we, we knew it was making an impact on the town when, um, People who, when it was an election year, if folks were running for local office, they actually would show up at our fall festival because they knew that um, that everyone was there. So, for a situation like that, that's a, a way to reach. That's a way to reach your community. Now, in in Wake Forest, it's uh it's very different. The um the town all really congregates on Main Street. There's a lot of big historic homes, and I mean you, there will be probably a thousand people out there on Monday night. And we learned when we got here uh, the first year, one of us stayed home and the other one took the kids out trick or treating. And the one who stayed home with candy, no one showed up because everyone goes to that area well, of town. But Amy, you, you kind of live off the beaten path a little bit. It's not that far off. And we didn't know. We didn't know. So you don't live in like a, a regular suburban neighborhood though. Okay. That's fair. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you live in the woods. Yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, so now we just go with the kids to Main Street. But there's a real mix of a couple of those. So George Robinson, who yes. is a missions professor, he lives on, on Main Street. And what they do is a little bit of both. They sit outside. They get they collect candy for months. They get students who uh, help them. They set up a big coffee area for parents. And they hand out tracts as well along with great candy and coffee and they talk to people and, and it's just a really uh, great opportunity for outreach. So um, I, I think it really depends on where you are in our neighborhood in Nashville. Crevewood Baptist Church did a really great thing, which is that they did a um, not really a fall festival, but they did an event where they had hot dogs and lemonade and a photo booth for people to go have dinner on their way to trick or treat oh, cool. because our yeah because our neighborhood was a very involved trick or treating neighborhood and the church was uh, right kind of in the middle of all these houses and so they did something to be a part of what was happening so I think it really depends on your context yeah it does and I think that's a good point because uh, you know sometimes in certain areas certain things work certain things don't if you tried to have a fall festival you know at a church in downtown Wake Forest it may just fall flat because things going on you know everybody's just so accustomed right. to something else so um, right. but if I tried that in Mount Juliet it wouldn't work because it's not set up like Wake Forest so one question on this I just this is just a personal question have you ever been to a judgment house no okay same here I I, I haven't I've seen signs for them but never right been, so so I, th I I don't know how popular they are anymore. I don't see them a lot. See they were them a lot very popular in rural Tennessee in Alabama. Yeah, they were very popular in Tennessee when I was in high school, um, but not necessarily like we didn't do that at my church. And I I mean I had friends that would go and I would hear about it, but I never never went to one. Well, you mentioned in your uh, you're talking about the downtown area of Wake Forest, George Robinson handing out you know gospel tracts, those kind of things. Baptist pastors were the most likely 
to want church members to hand out gospel tracts, 47% compared to 15% of mainline pastors. Yeah, and that's that's not really that surprising. Um, I mean, again, like, like I said, we have someone here who does that. They do that in conjunction with everything else and to make it a part you know, to make it a part of the of the process. What is interesting, though, is it does say that pastors are twice as likely to encourage members to befriend neighbors who trick or treat than they are to tell members to hand out gospel tracts. So that follows a trend that we see in a lot of other areas for the is moving toward kind of relationship evangelism. Yeah, it does. Another great study from Lifeway Research uh, it even included a pumpkin graphic, Amy. Yes, uh, it did. You know, and the bar, the, the bars orange. are orange. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it should have been a bunch of candy corn, but all right. Your favorite. <gasps> oh, so your favorite, on. um, your favorite Halloween candy is, uh, Snickers. Oh, okay. So I have a Halloween story. Okay. When we were in Nashville and, uh, and, uh, lived in, in Creve Hall, my son was, uh, dressed up as a hot dog for Halloween and, when he went to the event at Crevewood Baptist Church where they were serving dinner and they had hot dogs, he refused to eat one. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I like because that. he he, he had a he had a genuine he had a genuine ethical problem yeah, with that, it, that's and he would he wouldn't do it, so he didn't eat dinner that night. That's so, funny. True, that's funny. true. Whitfield story. So Snickers for you. I I just go with the candy corn. I'm a huge candy corn fan. So, I like candy corn, but but my kids Snickers don't like fun. chocolate, so. It, they're weird. They're weird. I know. Uh, but my kids don't like chocolate. So basically whenever they get done with whatever candy they wind up with from church or wherever it may be, they get the suckers and the those Laffy Taffy type stuff. And Beth and I get the yeah. chocolate to ourselves. So it's pretty nice. Nice. Well, my favorite candy in the whole world is Wonder Bar from Canada. So if if somebody had that, I would be so excited. But That one Canadian family in your neighborhood. All right. Yeah, well, uh, some other news from Lifeway this week. Amy, take it away. Yeah. So this was a story that broke uh, at the end at, on on Thursday that Lifeway has discontinued resources that feature uh, Bible study author Jen Hatmaker. Um, now, Jen is a very, very popular author, particularly uh, just in the circles of women's ministry. I have read uh, some of her works. Uh, but she recently did an interview uh, in Religious News Service with uh, Jonathan Merritt. And she she had some pretty significant changes in uh, the meaning and definition of marriage, uh, as uh, Marty King said, uh, theology of human sexuality. And they just contradict uh, the, the doctrinal guidelines that Lifeway has. And so uh, kind of a big story. Now, the when the interview broke earlier this week, it, it was a that was a very big story for a couple of days. People kind of talking about it on social media and are still talking about it. Uh, but then when uh, Lifeway made the decision, when you guys made the decision, you did uh, kind of big news again. So I think we're going to see some continued discussion. Uh, I don't know. Uh, she's not you know, publicly said anything since this interview. I don't know if that's her last word on the subject or if she's going to continue discussing it. Um, I know, you know, uh, Jen has, has written several books. I read seven, uh, some others. She's a very popular blogger and is known for, you know, being really funny and just speaking kind of in, in very real, straightforward terms, particularly about motherhood. She has had a reality show. So has a, a lot of people who have read her stuff and everyone's kind of wrestling with uh, 
with what came out in this interview. So this was just another result. Not terribly surprising. You guys have, have made that decision uh, before. So it doesn't, you know, nothing really shocking. But a big story nonetheless, because that's a pretty well-known name. Moving on over to Georgia, there's a story that, that sounds eerily familiar. Kelvin Cochran, you may remember, the fire chief in Atlanta, was fired for his views uh, in a Sunday school teachings uh, about uh, homosexuality, gay marriage, and now uh, there's another case, Eric Walsh, who was hired uh, at the Georgia Department of Public Health and was actually fired just like a week later. He only held the job for one week because of his sermons focusing on topics including God, health, marriage, sexuality, world religion, science, creationism, and compassion to the poor. He was uh, asked to turn over sermons to them uh, whenever he was hired and then was uh, summarily fired. Uh, and now in the uh, the legal proceedings following this, he has refused to uh, turn over the district court's request for his sermon. So there's a, a, a religious liberty issue going on again in Georgia. It involves another pastor, a lay pastor, who has been fired for basically his religious beliefs. It be interesting to track this. Even though Walsh is not Southern Baptist, uh, it will be interesting because this, this seems to be a, an ongoing issue that, that we are finding, uh, in, oddly enough, in, in Georgia. Yeah, this is also a state where earlier the Governor Nathan Deal vetoed a religious liberty bill uh, right after the Georgia legislature had passed it. So this discussion uh, has been happening quite a bit in Georgia. Um, it, like you said, it's interesting that that it's that state where we're seeing this uh, sort of pop up. But it shows that religious liberty questions they're all over the place. I mean, in this, this isn't even a business. Um, this is someone who's working for the state and their personal beliefs uh, are, are causing problems yeah. there. So, in a southern uh, state, you know, it, definitely it's one of these this. yeah. that, you know, if, if I would have said this was Massachusetts or Vermont, people would be like, oh, yeah, or, you know, or Oregon or something like that. But for it to be Georgia, it just it doesn't really – it, it kind of throws us for a loop, and I think I think the surprise is more um, of an of an issue for many people. Yeah, so this is definitely a story that we're going to need to watch and really watch for st- other other stories in that state. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Well, moving on. Doug Hodo, the former president of Houston Baptist University, died October tenth at his home in Texas after a brief battle with cancer. He was eighty-one. I led. HBU from 87 to 2006. So nearly 20 years of leadership to the, uh, wow. the Baptist University there in Houston. Our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Dr. Hodo's family. Also passing away this week uh, was James Smith, the former leader of the Brotherhood Commission. He spent nearly 50 years in Southern Baptist leadership and served at the Brotherhood Commission for 12 years until his retirement in 1991. He was 95 whenever he passed away. That's amazing. Now, Jonathan, why don't you take a second to remind our listeners what the Brotherhood Commission is? Because, I mean, I'm, I don't, I didn't know anything That's right. about you would have it not before been my Southern time. Baptist. Yeah. yeah, the Brotherhood Commission was eventually merged into NAM in June of 97, uh, along with the Radio Television Commission. Uh, we had a, a couple of other commissions, like the ERLC, uh, back in the day so to speak, and uh, there were actually several of them, and over the years we've kind of merged them as they have uh, served their purpose. Uh, but the Brotherhood Commission focused on a lot of the things, you know, m- it's kind of the, the male equivalent of the WMU. They handled RAs for a while. Okay. They did disaster relief. So a, a lot of things that you see from NAM, the Brotherhood Commission did as well. They also uh, started World Changers. 
and um, the National Fellowship of Baptist Men, uh, and just a lot of missions-based stuff, and in partnership sure. with the what was then the Home Mission Board, now we call NAM. Uh, but you know, the Brotherhood Commission had been around for a while. In 1997, they merged, there you go. and and that's when we had you know NAM came to be uh, and stopped being just a home mission board because at one point NAM was just sending out missionaries here in the states. Now we know NAM as church planning missionaries and sin relief and and those kind of things. So that's kind of the where we got right. to how we got to where we are today was from the Brotherhood Commission. Excellent. Well, so much of that. Oh, and it was based oh, in Memphis. It would have been because well. of the contribution of James Smith. So um, our condolences to his family. Yes. And uh, Carol Pipes worked at the Brotherhood Commission. And that's how she came to be ah. at NAM. So uh, they were in Memphis. And whenever it merged and everything, she moved over to NAM. So a little, uh, Very cool. little tidbit about Carol. That's, that's like two out of the Something last three weeks you mentioned Carol. I'm a big fan of Carol. Yes. So we I, all are. I think it's great. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the. Southern Baptist Chinese Fellowship that had met in Vancouver. Uh, the Hmong Baptist National Association met recently in Fresno, California, and uh, they have uh, elected a new leader, Tra Zhong. And uh, I, apologies if I messed up that name, uh, but the Hmongs uh, increased their budget $23,000 uh, this past year, had 27 messengers at the annual meeting there, and uh, have encouraged starting new churches and partnering with state conventions and NAM. Uh, they are increasing their budget and stipend for Hmong churches that plant a new church in the next year. That's excellent. What a great, uh, what a great story. Yeah. So uh, we mentioned these different ethnic groups of Baptists that are here in the states every year around convention time and everything. Uh, but it, it's kind of neat to see again uh, them meeting and having annual meetings and electing new leaders uh, to uh, bring their ministries uh, to more fruition here in the United States. Yes. Fantastic. Talking about NAM, there has been a task force on disciple making uh, that is a, appointed by North American Mission Board and Lifeway, uh, and they met uh, on Monday, October 17th. We talked about this a little bit before when this was put together, mm-hmm. but they had— It was announced right before the annual meeting, I believe. That's right. That's right. But they uh, they met at, at NAM's building, and uh, Robbie Gallaty was the chairman. The, there's a story in Baptist Press about it. Uh, just reminding Adam Dooley, Johnny Hunt, Paul Jimenez, uh, Mark Marshall, Kevin Smith, and Pavel Urucci. They left. They have individual assignments on engaging Southern Baptist churches. But there is this focus on not just sharing the gospel and then that's it, but uh, really to understand what it means to foster discipleship. So good story in Baptist Press. We'll look forward to hearing more uh, from them. They'll have a report to next year's SBC. All right. Also, something that we mentioned earlier this year uh, as a virtual tour by Tom Rayner. I'm a part of that, and I think I mentioned that as a resource of the week. There's an article in BP this week about that. Uh, the 49 live interactive webcasts for pastors and church staff over the next 11 months. Uh, we've been doing a few of those and have really enjoyed it so far. The turnout has been uh, a, a lot bigger. The demand has been a lot higher than we expected. And uh, just want to just a quick shout out to the sponsor, one of the sponsors of that, uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Very and, nice. Uh, yeah, we're happy help. to do that. Yep. And so uh, it's been going well. If your state has not gone yet, um, the ones in November are Rhode Island, Connecticut, Montana, Arkansas, Oregon, and Alaska. So be sure to sign up. And uh, it's it's limited because of space issues uh, on the uh, the technology we're using. 
But at the same time, uh, those are moving pretty quickly. So be sure to sign up for that. Check it out at TomRainer.com slash virtual tour. We've got all the links to this and all the other stories we talk about this week at SBCThisWeek.com. Also, an, another update, Alaska's Jimmy Stewart has been moved to uh, rehab for his third-degree burns. You remember he suffered some serious burns uh, from a gas leak explosion back in July, had 80% of his body sustained third-degree burns in, in what was a just a terrible accident up there in, in Alaska. And uh, his, uh, his wife has mentioned three specific prayer requests. And, and these are really sounding like good updates for him. Uh, you know, it's been 80 days, uh, but people have been praying, sending them encouraging messages, and uh, and, and God has been moving and, and healing Jimmy. Uh, but she's got three specific prayer requests. Jimmy's elbows, he can barely bend his arms. Uh, and he's got some elbow issues that are that are keeping that not the skin, but just some some inflammation inside the the joints. Also, the left hand he has still not regained feeling, movement, and strength in that. And uh, asking for that to become flexible again. But uh, on the good note, his eyes he's got his close vision is is returning, and now they're praying for the distance vision to return again. So uh, it's been slow, but at the same time, uh, some encouraging updates about Jimmy Stewart, and he's up in a uh, hospital in Seattle at Harborview Medical Center. There's an, uh, some information about that where you can send cards and letters and encouragement to them. And the Alaska Baptist Foundation has also created an assistance fund to help them with expenses, which I can only imagine are uh, enormous. Yes, and uh, we will definitely continue praying uh, for him. Good to get an update. Heading to Montana. Uh, to some news we actually already reported on, but we're finishing it out, bringing uh, some finality to it. Barrett Duke will officially begin in January of 2017 as the new executive director of the Montana Southern Baptist Convention. He was nearly unanimously elected to that spot. That's right. Uh, So Montana had their annual meeting uh, October 6th and 7th in Missoula, and that official election happened. So we've talked about this a little bit, but we weren't able to actually announce him as the official next executive director because uh, there was a process. And this is the kind of official news of that. Yeah. So the uh, the report on that is at Baptist Press about his election. Uh, There was no report on the actual meeting uh, yet. So we, we still await that. Uh, yes. What actually happened at the meeting. So, um, but uh, congratulations once again to uh, Bear Duke on his appointment as the executive director of the Montana Baptist State Convention. Uh, we do have a couple of state convention recaps. First up in Utah, Idaho, they had a one day meeting instead of a two day and saw an increase in attendance because uh, people could save on not having to have hotels, uh, that kind of thing, but uh, were able to come from all over. Uh, the combined state territory out there in Utah and Idaho, and actually saw a 1% point increase in cooperative program giving uh, was one of the two notable financial announcements. The new budget is up $35,000 and change to $1.76 million, uh, which includes 27% to CP, up from 26% last year. Wow, that's incredible. Um all the officers of that state convention were reelected by acclamation. So President David Kite, first vice president, Michael Waldrop, second vice president, Mike Pless and recording secretary, Shauna Sidwell. Um, so uh, they obviously had, had done a great job this year and will be doing it again next year. Did you see the church plant numbers from Utah, Idaho church planting network? Nope. All I right, didn't well, tell me what they Mike are. Palmer, 
said uh, just a few years ago they were celebrating five church planters in Utah and Idaho. They were excited about that. Five. Yes. This year, 23. That's so exciting. And next year, he anticipates 40 to 50 uh, to be a part of the church planting movement going on out there in Utah, Idaho. That is exciting stuff. That's really fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll stick a link to the Baptist Press story in the show notes so that you can check out more details. All right, let's move over to the Dakotas. Yep, they voted to partner in disaster relief with two other state conventions, Minnesota, Wisconsin, as well as Iowa. Yes, and they had uh, 56 messengers. Um, they increased their budget by 2.6%, and they are planning to increase their cooperative program receipts going to the Southern Baptist Convention by one percentage point. Yeah, and last week in, in the episode, we talked about the smaller budgets uh, for some of the frontier states. Dakotas might have one of the smallest out there. $468,000 uh, is their entire budget for the two states combined. Uh, but again, very, very small convention. Only 92 churches in uh, the convention uh, had 41 churches represented at the convention. Yeah, so it's a, a really small bunch. And the Dakotas, I mean, they're, it's it's a big it's a big area when you yeah. take both of those states together. So um, really uh, Im- important work that's happening there. Though they have a yeah, newly elected— One of the elected- fastest-growing economies—well, was one of the fastest-growing economies before the oil bust uh, up there yeah. in South Dakota. South Dakota was just booming with jobs and people right. flying in there. Uh, but uh, I'm not quite sure how that's going now with the, the oil bust yeah. that we've seen over the past couple of years. You know, North Dakota is the only state that I have never been to. Hmm. Maybe next year we could go and cover the Dakotas convention. It's probably going to be in South Dakota. But <sighs> well, there's, if, if they, there's all kind of cool stuff in South Dakota. It is in South Dakota. It's in Pierre, South Dakota. Maybe the next year it'll be in Bismarck and I can go. We'll see. Um, but newly elected officers, President Steve Ford, uh, Vice President Jonathan Land, Recording Secretary Ernie Nelson, and Assistant Recording Secretary Karen Holmes. Some news out of Florida this week. The Florida Baptist newspaper, the Florida Baptist Witness, uh, which has been around for 132 years, is going to be wow. moving from uh, its every other week publication to once a month beginning in 2017, something that we're seeing with a lot of the other uh, Baptist newspapers. There's only a few that actually publish still uh, weekly, and that's in Alabama, Kentucky, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. But like we saw last year with the Christian Index, they they stopped printing altogether. Uh, they don't even have a printed edition anymore. And uh, now we are uh, seeing yet another state Baptist newspaper uh, kind of move and change its publication schedule. Yeah, this is very interesting, and um, I, I like the Florida Baptist Witness. I get a lot of the state papers uh, at my office, and I, I I enjoy reading that paper. I think it's interesting to track how this sort of follows a similar trend to just newspapers in general. Yes. As we see local newspapers, I know I've probably tracked the Tennessee in there in Nashville more than any paper just because of knowing people that work there. The newspaper industry is really changing and shifting, and it looks like uh, Baptist newspapers are not uh, immune to that. So they are having to make transitions uh, to fit with a really, really different uh, kind of a digital age. Yeah, and we are seeing more and more come from them in digital formats. One of the main points of the story here is that they would be changing the uh, publication schedule for online stories. So instead of waiting until the print publication is hit mailboxes, they're going to just start printing out stuff online because 
uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, a lot, a lot of times, and this is no knock against the Florida Baptist Witness because it happens with a lot of state papers, you and I will cover something on the podcast here that won't show up in a state paper, whether it be Florida or anywhere else, for another week, two weeks, maybe even a month or two, depending on the publication schedule and just depending on what they have in their their newspaper. Right. So, I mean, and we're just a once a week, obviously, with the, the podcast, but, you know, Baptist Press is putting out everything every day. Yeah, and uh, with with social media being what it is, people are having conversations about something way before a story is published. And so, you know, the news media is really having to figure out how to maintain integrity of journalism, uh, checking sources, writing things well, telling the entire story, but also to kind of stay uh, current and to stay quick in sort of a, a, a very fast-paced conversational age. So finding that happy medium uh, seems to be something that everyone's trying to figure out. And the Florida Baptist Witness is, uh, is doing just that. And our final news story this week, some great news coming from Midwestern. We've talked about uh, the, the gains and the, the booming enrollment that they've had there. They had their trustee meeting this past week, and uh, they passed off uh, unanimously the recommendation uh, to go forward with the plans to construct a new student center in the heart of the campus. And also they announced their 2015-2016 total enrollment of 2,537 students, up from 1,107 just five academic years ago. That's great. That's insane. That's fantastic. It's amazing. So Dr. Jason Allen, Charles Smith, everybody at Midwestern, bravo, guys. Y'all have uh, done a great job. Looking forward to the new student center as well. was on the campus of Midwestern last year. Just a gorgeous campus. I know Dr. Allen has uh, really made that a priority, getting the campus uh, up to speed to to house. I mean, when you double your enrollment, you've got to have – facilities for this Uh, yep so uh looking forward to the new two-story student center that's going to house their new cafeteria yes that's very exciting uh as well as uh, bookstore cafe recreation areas uh lots of lots of fun things yeah they have a gym racquetball courts fitness rooms those kind of things so the Mathena student center uh is the groundbreaking is aimed in april of 2017 so just a few months until that happens so uh and that's a seven million dollar lead gift Uh, by Harold Mathena and his wife uh, from Oklahoma City. So uh, congratulations again to Dr. Allen, everyone up there at uh, Midwestern. The the Charles Spurgeon Library, Amy, turned one year old this past week. So congrats, Midwestern. Uh, Great. Sounds like you guys had a great meeting. Yep. Another good trustee meeting. I think that's all our uh, trustee meetings from our entities, Amy. I could be wrong about that, but I think we covered all the seminaries. As I well think. as Guidestone and, and the the entities as yeah. well. Our fall entity trustee roundup, I think, is done now. Yes, and so now we move full swing into state conventions. We've had a few, but we're going to have a lot more coming, so we'll be looking for the trends that we see. And then we'll be just in time for uh, spring trustee meetings. Yes, those will start in February. So Yes. Whew. It never stops here in the SBC. Also want to thank, once again, our sponsors this week. I am going the new book from authors Daniel L. Aiken and Bruce Riley Ashford. They're calling today's church members to lives of going where they're going around the world or to people right where they live. Going out with the gospel of Jesus. Between the two of them, Aiken and Ashford have trained thousands of men and women in both the mandates and methods for going to every nation. Now they have created a resource for individuals and churches to use together and calling even more to go. You can pick that up at Lifeway Christian Resources, your local Lifeway store. It is on the shelves there and also at lifeway.com. 
All right. And that brings us, Amy, to my favorite part of the week. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You've been teasing me with this. But what happened this week in SBC history? Amy, blow our minds. Okay, so this was actually just a story that ran this week in SBC history. And I was looking, because I've been looking for, just like a, just like I had Olympics coverage. Yeah, yeah we've been talking I've, a lot about political stuff this time of year. Yeah, so I've been looking in presidential election years. Uh, so I had the Bob Dole story last year. Uh, so I was in 1976, and I stumbled on a story and thought, you know, never mind, we're not going to go for anything super earth shattering. I have to share this one. So this is a story about a mistake that happened um, uh, for your company. Okay. You got me worried now. Yeah, I'm sure. What they did have, we do they, now? They had some crisis communication. They you had know, a You know, we've had a kind of a different week, Amy, and you're going to throw yeah. this on top of it. So this was uh, something that it seems like it wasn't the mistake of Broadman Press. Good. It was an error. It was an error by the bookbinder, not oh, okay. not Broadman Press. So a woman um, bought a book, an autobiography of R.G. Lee. Oh yeah, he was at Bellevue. Yeah, yeah. Forerunner of uh, Adrian Rogers, now Steve Gaines That's is correct. the pastor there. Big That's church correct. in the SBC. Yes. So there was his autobiography was called Payday Every Day, which yes. is uh, of Take his off very of famous Payday sermon. Someday. Payday Someday, his famous sermon. So he was doing a revival in North Carolina, and a woman there bought a copy of it. And about midway through the book, there was a detailed explanation of winemaking at home. What was it? Was, so R.G. Lee was making wine at home. Somehow there had been an error uh, by the bookbinder, and they had just thrown a recipe in the middle of the book. And the the best um, (laughs) a recipe for winemaking. I mean, it's like you know. I love yes, I love these Baptist Press stories from way back. They're the writing is so fantastic. So it says uh, she was surprised to find a detailed explanation of winemaking at home about midway through the book. Then it said. Without giving the recipe a try, the startled woman returned the book for a regular copy. A Broadman Press spokesman said the problem was due to an error by the bookbinder, and to his knowledge, this was the only copy containing the juicy extra. The, the quote the mis- juicy extra. That <laughs> yes. is And then the last line The last line is absolute gold. <laughs> The mistake might have been more appropriate in Lee's latest book for Broadman, Grapes from Gospel Vine. That's so well done. So I just had to do it. It was a crisis communication, even had the spokesman for Broadman Press. Here's the thing. I was actually going to share, until I read that, I was going to actually share the main story, the yeah. lead story about Baptist Lawrence Press. Lawrence Welk! About Lawrence Welk um, coming to a Baptist bookstore. An autographing copy yeah, in Nashville. So here's, yeah, in Nashville. So I was that was going to be the one that I did, and then I scrolled down and saw that next article and said, "No, I have to share this one." But I was also very excited. I have to tell you, so Lawrence Welk, um, the Lawrence Welk show is what we would watch on Saturday nights when the children were toddlers. I would give them like their baths on Saturday night before church Sunday morning, and then we'd all go in the living room and watch Lawrence Welk together. And my children loved Lawrence Welk because I did too. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, most people who know me when I tell them that, that doesn't seem to surprise them. And I don't know what that means exactly about 
me, but I love Lawrence Welk and I would have loved to meet him, but I can't. Nope. But he was at he was at Lifeway at the Baptist Sunday School Board. In Nashville. The one downtown, yeah. I'm I'm guessing. Yes. So anyway, that's a it's a great uh great issue. There's the next one. Go go to page two. They Association baptizing aliens over alien baptism issue. First Baptist Church Clemson was receiving persons from other churches without requiring baptism by immersion. And the yeah. Saluda Baptist Association gave him the boot 450 to 87. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just, frankly, I can't even pick one story. So I can just tell you a lot happened this week in SBC history in 1976. There's a great line in here. It says, the Sunday following the association's vote to expel First Baptist Clemson, the church adopted its 1977 budget and included $400, as it did in 1976, to go to the Saluda Association. So they were just going to give them the money, even though they got kicked out. So um, 66 churches in the association, membership of 32,000. So it's a pretty big association. But um, they yeah. did not appreciate the baptism of E.T. and uh, other extraterrestrials, maybe, at uh, um, First Baptist Clemson. Yes, well... That's not, not the really kind the meaning, not the meaning baptism. of the word alien in that, but, you know, that's okay. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, that's going to bring us to this week's Resources of the Week. Amy, your Resource of the Week is? Mine is a new album by uh, Ron Block, who is a bluegrass musician, um, plays with Allison Krauss and Union Station. And he has done an album with uh, Jeff Taylor, who's another really well-known uh, bluegrass musician uh, part of the time jumpers there in nashville it's called trouble go down and uh it it's a lot of uh a lot of hymns kind of rearranged uh with their instrumentation uh, there's a great one of uh leaning on the everlasting arms that i love great version of the doxology uh they're the, both of them are just excellent with uh, the instruments that they use and there are a few new songs that have been written uh, by uh, Ron Block and I think maybe Rebecca Reynolds. Um, Ellie Holcomb sings on a couple of them. It's a great album. I got it a week ago and have been listening to it um, all week long. But well, I have to check they that pulled, out. yeah, they pulled from 1800s hymnals, things like that. So um, anyway, all right. Well, excited. yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Ron. So I've got his last uh, bluegrass album that he put out maybe about a year ago. I guess it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, Hogan's um, House of Music. That was I a good have one. that one. Yes. So I'm a big fan of Ron. Met him a couple times here in Nashville. Super nice guy. Uh, one of the yes, nicest he, guys out there. Yeah, incredible. And when um, I we've we've met him and and been with him at some things, and and you would not know who he is well, uh, if you didn't if you, know. If you know who he is, and he kind of stands out. He has a certain unique look to him. He uh, does, but. We've watched him before, like after a Getty concert one time, he came out when they do those jams out in the yep. lobby, uh, and he comes walking out. We're just standing there, and then there's Ron Block over in just a big, long coat, just standing over watching everyone else. So he's very unassuming. He doesn't go insert himself into things. Really humble man, and um, I've gotten to hear him present and talk uh, about a few a few things at times, and uh, very... Uh, reflects on theology a lot uh, in addition to just his creativity and his musical ability. So fantastic album. I love it. Yeah. I had a Nashville moment the other day, went to a meeting, a lunch meeting and uh, looked over and there's Ricky Skaggs and turned around and there's Andrew Peterson. And it yeah. was kind of, kind of neat. One of those, yep. those kind of things. 
it happened. So yeah, we don't have those here in Wake Forest, no, but I don't. I used to have them in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we've gone to Baja Burrito, I think, with uh, Lizette and some others once, and there's the lead right. singer Plum, and there's somebody else. I mean, just just random. She things. was my neighbor. We, yeah. She was my neighbor up in Pleasant View. We uh, would see each other at the coffee shop, and I think went to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese with her family oh, one time. So. Wow. Yeah, but around here. You just see us. Yes. All right. Well, my resource of the week is the new book from David Allen, The Extent of the Atonement. It is a tome. I got a copy the other day at the office. Have not quite made it through that one yet. (laughs) I'm sure. It is massive. It's like 800 pages. Yeah. Bigger than Harry Potter. But anyway, also want to congratulate David on his marriage last weekend. uh, His wife died uh, of cancer. Uh, sadly, uh, a year or so ago, and uh, he has uh, remarried and got married last weekend. So, been a big month for David. Big book is yeah. basically his magnum opus on the atonement as well as uh, a marriage. So, congratulations really on both fronts to David Allen. Yes, uh, very exciting. I knew that he was working on that uh, book, and he talked about that at the Southern Baptist Professor Fellowship um, last year at the Evangelical Theological Society Which is coming up next month. Which is coming up next month, yes. Uh, But wow, that's, I mean, it's like 800 pages, and that's that's a a really significant work. So um, very, very exciting time uh, for him. Yes, 848 to be exact. Wow. So eight trees per book, I think. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, so congratulations again to Dr. Allen on that uh, publication. That's going to do it for us this week. Amy, um, we've talked a little bit about Halloween. I hope you have a great Monday night, a safe, dry Halloween. There's There are a few things that are more disappointing as a parent to look at your kids and say, sorry, kids, you're not trick-or-treating, or sorry, kids, we're not going to the church function. It's canceled because of rain, hoping that everyone has a dry Monday night uh, or Sunday night. I know our church is having our, our thing on Sunday night. My wife is excited because it looks like it's going to be dry on Sunday night and going to be beautiful weather. So we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to a great event at our church. Fantastic. Hope you guys have a great time. So we'll keep an eye out for more news in the SBC next week. Uh, Obviously, we'll have some more state convention recaps and who knows what else may happen uh, next week in the SBC. Until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.